Hey everybody, welcome to Liquid Church Online. It's an honor to come into your home today. My name's Tim and welcome to Church Online or if you're streaming on Facebook Live, so glad you tuned in. This is part two of our current series, Winning the War on Worry. And I heard from a lot of you this week, Pastor Tim, this is exactly what I need. We're in our second or is it third month of stay-at-home quarantine here in New Jersey dealing with the COVID crisis. And uh, none of us have lived through a global pandemic before. Anybody been in a pandemic? First time. And it's creating a lot of anxiety, fear, and worry. We all have stresses. Many of us are worried about those we love, our health, or maybe you're worried about your job or even the economic damage that this pandemic is causing. I saw an article this week in NewJersey.com. Take a look at the headline. Fear, anxiety, and dread. The psychological toll of the coronavirus lockdown is wearing on New Jersey. You think? <laughs> Describes how a lot of people are struggling, both mentally and emotionally, just with the uncertainty of these days, right? The stress of the lockdown. Every day is like Groundhog Day. Where's the end? It's, it's not in sight yet. But it's not just New Jersey, guys. It's across the nation. In fact, Time Magazine released a special edition this week. Take a look at the cover. They're calling this the Age of Anxiety. Look at the subtitles. Beyond Stress. Lessons and treatments, you are not alone. In other words, we are all feeling it. In fact, here at Liquid, we launched um, online 10 anxiety support groups, and they all filled up literally hundreds of people overnight. It was really incredible, guys. So what we're doing as a church is saying, you know what? We're not going to stand still. We are declaring a war on worry. And I want to tell you, it's a war that you can win with God's help. We're going to take God's promises to heart. And if you do, you're going to see your peace increase and watch your stress decrease. Doesn't that sound good right about now? If you struggle with stress like this guy, or maybe anxious thoughts, your mind's always racing, or you have fear about the future. What's the new normal? Just relax, relax, guys. God is going to write a brand new chapter in your story this spring. I believe he can give you his peace smack dab in the center of a pandemic. Amen? Let me show you how. I'm going to pull up a chair and join you. And wherever you are, make yourself comfortable. I want you to put a finger to each of your temples. And now, not a gun, just a finger. And pray these words with me out loud. Lord, thank you for my amygdalae. Amygdalae. Look at that. It's the two nucleus right inside of your brain on either side. You know what the amygdalae are? The amygdalae are part of your brain's limbic system. I'll put it up behind me so that you can see. Take a look at this. This is for those of you who like science. You're going to enjoy this. The amygdalae, you would not be alive without them. Here's the deal. For a lot of us, right, some of us, the coronavirus is attacking us physically. It's attacking people's lungs. But for all of us, it's mentally attacking your mind. And your amygdalae are responsible in your brain for triggering certain emotions, specifically fear. So whenever you encounter something dangerous or out of control, your amygdala kick in. So like when you were out kind of walking this week and, and all of a sudden that, that truck was behind you, like jump back on the curve, that's your amygdala. Remember when the lightning cracked and like you ran for cover? That's your amygdala. When, when the stove was hot and you jerked your hand back, that's your amygdala. It's like a home security system. And think about it this way. If an intruder breaks a window or opens, you know, a locked door, the alarm goes off, whoop, 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 get out, get safe. When your amygdala fire up from fear, your body reacts. In fact, check this out. You know what happens? Physiologically, your pupils actually dilate. In other words, it narrows and focuses your vision. You start breathing faster. It's giving your lungs more oxygen. It's getting ready to fight or flight. 
Your pulse rate increases. It's pumping more blood into your system. Adrenaline goes, turning you into Hercules. And suddenly, right, you're faster, you're stronger. You are ready for fight or flight. In fact, this is embarrassing. But when your amygdala go off, you know what happens to your bowels? They contract. You ever say, I was so scared, I just peed a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's your body shedding unnecessary weight. It's like, I'm ready to run. I'm ready to throw hands, man, fight or flight. So thank God for your amygdala, both of them. They protect you, but here's what you don't want. You do not want a set that is super sensitive. Just like you don't want your home alarm system going off every time the dog barks or you know, the screen door blows open. You don't want that in your home and you don't want that in your head. But guys, that's exactly what anxiety is. Perpetual anxiety, it's like your amygdala has an itchy trigger finger. All of a sudden you sneeze, <laughs> it's not allergies, it's coronavirus, right? You see a temporary dip in the economy. You think, no, no, there's going to be a permanent recession. It's going to last a decade. You see your kids, they're struggling with homeschool. They all are. But you're like, they're not learning anything. They will drop out and be on drugs before they leave this house. Perpetual anxiety is like this mental alarm system that just never turns off. And understand, the way God designed you, limited anxiety is helpful. You have to be alert to danger. But what you don't want is toxic anxiety, where you are in this constant state of hypervigilance. Because if your brain is always on, if it's always spinning with these anxious thoughts, you get edgy, you feel unsettled, you get anxious. See, COVID-19, guys, it's not just a physical disease. It is now causing mental and emotional dis-ease as well. That's what disease is, dis-ease. That's the bad news. But I've got good news. The same God who created your amygdala can calm them down as well. Worry is a part of life, but it doesn't have to rule yours. God gave a prescription for peace in Philippians chapter four that we've been chewing on. I hope some of you have even memorized this verse this week. I wanna read this out loud together at home, wherever you are. So sit up straight, fill your lungs with air and your heart like hope. Say it like you mean it, church. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience, this is the promise, God's peace which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds, your thoughts, your emotions, in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It's a powerful scripture, and it's a truth that we're gonna take to heart today. This really is the Apostles Paul prescription for peace in an age of anxiety. He says, don't worry about anything. But I know some of you are scoffing right now. I all this Jersey saying, yeah, don't worry about anything says the person stuck at home with a compromised immune system. We're about nothing. Okay, real nice, Pastor Tim, says the dad who lost his job and now they can't afford the family's mortgage. Don't, don't be anxious, says the young adult who's isolated and all alone in her apartment and going crazy. Don't worry, says the spouse who, who their partner is a nurse and they leave in the early morning hours for the hospital that's running out of protective gear. Don't worry. How about the small business owners who haven't gotten a government loan yet? Don't feel anxiety. Don't, don't fret, says the high school senior who sees her graduation slipping away. You feel your amygdala starting to itch? <laughs> so did Paul. See, guys, we read a verse like this, and it feels like this out-of-touch Hallmark card. Don't worry. Be happy. But, man, you forget what the Apostle Paul was going through when he wrote this prescription. Do you remember? He penned this passage from prison. Paul was suffering severely in a Roman cell when he wrote these words. 
Paul had been whipped. He had been beaten. He had been flogged and stoned for preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And so he was bent over going blind and awaiting execution. If you looked in that cell, his back was like a filet flesh. It was a spider web of scars. And while he's chained to a Roman guard, he writes these words, don't, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Just tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And then he says, oh yeah, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your heart, just like this guard is guarding me and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. What? How could Paul say that? Locked away in solitary confinement. You think home, being homebound and isolated is bad? Paul was quarantined in prison. And he knew a truth that, guess what, guys? True peace does not come from the absence of problems, but the presence of Christ. They could take away Paul's freedom, but they couldn't take away his Christ. And so Paul said, let me teach you how to stay calm. C-A-L-M. When anxiety strikes, here's my four-step strategy. He said, C, control belongs to God. God alone is sovereign. We talked about this last week. Paul said, even when life seems bad, I know God is still good. When it's out of control, he's in control. In fact, we learned a fancy word for this last week. Remember, the word is sovereignty. And you see the word reign in the middle of it. It means to rule. Paul's like, I'm sitting here in prison, but my God is still on his throne in heaven. In spite of all I'm going through, he's working all things together for my good. Even this. He goes, I know the king of the universe and I call him father. So I can A, ask him for help. Paul says, I want you to pray about everything. Give your request to God and then watch L, leave your worries with him. In prayer, guys, you make a trade with your father. You give him your worries. In exchange, he gives you his supernatural peace. And Paul ends with this. M, you got to meditate on good things. Look at his final verse. He says, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Translation, if you want to win the war on worry, you got to monitor your mind. Guys, you need a mental strategy to capture those negative thoughts and kick them out the door if you're going to win this war on worry. Could you use some calm in this crisis? C-A-L-M, control, ask, leave, meditate. It's Paul's four-step strategy to win the war on worry. And today I want to pack these last two, steps three and four, in a message that I'm calling, keep calm and carry on. Have you guys seen this meme on the internet? It's actually not a meme. Uh, it's an old British war poster from 1939. Uh, a little history. The Nazis were about to bomb London and everybody was filled with fear. Anxiety was an all-time high. And so the king, King George, actually, that is a symbol. That crown is, is a symbol of the, 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 the sovereign king. He had posters made. Keep calm and carry on. It's like, you know, kind of like the epitome of like, you know, British stiff upper lip in anxious times. I was in London a couple summers ago, and like you see this on coffee mugs and, you know, hot plates and posters, little flags, they tattoo it on dogs. It's everywhere, okay? And I love it, but I think this poster only got it half right. In the spirit of Philippians, I think this should read, keep calm and pray on, because prayer is your most powerful weapon in the war on worry. Can you say amen? Say this with me, type in the chat, keep calm and pray on. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. 
And with this verse, Paul calls us, take action against anxiety. Don't just sit there. Remember, up to this point, Paul's been assuring us of God's character, right? He's like, your God is sovereign. He loves you. He created you. He has a purpose for your life and nothing can thwart his plan. But he says, it's up to you to take action. When faced with worry, what do Christ followers do differently than the rest of the world? Here's the answer. We choose prayer over despair. Can you say that with me? We choose prayer over despair. God's pathway to peace is paved with prayer. Be anxious for nothing. That's the first. Instead, pray about everything. Now, you know, it reminds me of um, the father who was teaching his three-year-old daughter to pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, our father is in heaven. And he would always tell her, he'd say, sweetheart, just repeat the lines after, you know, our father. And, and one day she said, daddy, I do it myself. And he listened with pride as his little girl repeated each word right up to the very end of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, she said, but deliver us from email. <laughs> Amen to that, yeah? <laughs> Amen. And deliver us from Zoom as well. You know, Paul says, I want you to pray about everything. Tell God exactly what you need and thank him for all he's done. He said, I want you to be specific. I want you to pray with the particulars of your problem. I want to show you how practical this is. For example, um, I want to talk to all my single friends. Let's say you're single and you'd like to be married someday. Um, the question is like, well, how do you pray for a partner? And I'll tell, you know, a husband or a wife. I'll show you an amazing prayer here. This is an amazing, very highly specific prayer in the book of Genesis. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, well, I, God, I'd love to be married someday. But watch this. In Genesis, Abraham wanted to find a wife for his son Isaac. And so he sent his servant to go find one. And basically the servant was like, how do I pick a wife for my master? And so he went to the local watering hole, okay, which was a well in those days, not a bar. He goes to a well and listen to this prayer to find a spouse. He said, oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. So he says, God, this is the situation I'm in. Now watch this. This is my request. Is it generic or specific? Watch. I'll ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. And if she says, yes, have a drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you've selected as Isaac's wife. <laughs> now, I mean, is that a specific request or what? He was like, God, someday I'd, I'd like to be married. He said, no, no, God, this is my specific request. I am going to ask a lady for a drink and I'm going to the watering hole and, and I'm going to bring my, now don't take this out of context, okay? Don't like be like, I'm going to go to a, you know, a bar and start asking about women and jugs. Don't be stupid. Use your brain, not just your amygdala. My point is he prayed a specific prayer in faith for provision of a relationship. And look what scripture says. Verse 15, before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. Guys, God heard from heaven and did for his servant what he never could have done on his own. And that's what prayer is. Listen to me. Prayer is the difference between the best that you can do and the best that God can do. When you pray about your kids, you pray about your job, you pray about your health, be highly specific. So if you're facing anxiety at work this week, you know, it's one thing just to pray like, you know, Lord, please help me with my work this week. It's frustrating. I want you to tell God exactly what you need. Go, Lord, I have a meeting with my supervisor at two o'clock tomorrow and she intimidates me. 
It's right when my kids get rowdy at home, you know? God, would you give me a spirit of peace so I can sleep well tonight? And then grant me wisdom so I can come prepared with the right answers tomorrow. Please keep my kids quiet. And, and Holy Spirit, would you just soften her heart towards me? Let's have a gracious conversation where your name is honored. Amen. Now, that's a specific request. And you know what? You will know for certain if God answered it or not tomorrow at two o'clock. Remember, God is your good, good father. And what father doesn't love the sound of the voice of his children? In fact, right now, I want you to imagine that Jesus showed up where you are and said this question to you. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now, I'm, this isn't wish fulfillment. This actually happened in the Bible. In Luke chapter 18, it says Jesus was walking a, along and he saw a blind beggar. And it says Jesus asked him, he stopped and he said, what do you want me to do for you? And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, well, Jesus, isn't it obvious? Like the guy's blind, he can't see. How many of you know, when Jesus asks you a question, it's not for his benefit, it's for yours. He said, I know what this man needs, but I want to hear him say it for himself. I want to see that he's serious. And this is amazing. It says, Jesus said, all right. Or sorry, let me go back. Lord, he said, I want to see. No, duh. And Jesus said, all right. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Friends, Jesus wants the same thing from you. Your sins have been forgiven by Christ. You're covered in his blood. So at any moment, you can boldly go into God's throne room of grace and ask your father for help. So as you think about that list of things that cause you anxiety and worry, your job, your kids, your income, I want you to imagine today, special at Church Online, Jesus showed up wherever you are in your apartment, your living room, and said, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that? I think for some of you, the answer comes right to mind, right? You're thinking of a situation where someone in your family needs healing. Or maybe your child is struggling at school. I think God is asking, Jesus is actually asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Heal your marriage? Dismiss the lawsuit? Help you resist temptation? Protect your aging parents who need home care? What is overwhelming you right now? Is there a mountain in your life that needs moving? It's too big for you. It's not too big for your God. Do not be shy. You ask your father for help. And when Jesus answers, don't forget to thank him. Did you, did you catch the last part of Paul's prescription? He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Paul says, when you pray, one of the ingredients I want you to put in your, your bowl of prayer, I want you to season your prayers with gratitude. Sprinkle in some gratitude here. Don't just be gimme, gimme, gimme. God, gimme, help me, show me. There should be two wonderful words that touch the heart of God sprinkled in there. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Gratitude, guys, is actually one of the remedies for depression. Did you know that? Scientific studies have shown that having an attitude of gratitude in crisis actually raises your immune system. Did you know that? It boosts it. Because instead of focusing on like, oh, what do I lack? You're starting to call the mind, man, all the blessings I already have. So don't just look at like the hole in your bucket. Like look at your bucket. What's in there? Do you see your friends? Do you see your family? Do you see your church, your gifts? Do you see the love of God in your life? Do you, do you have a salvation, eternal life? Guys, I know it's hard right now. So many of us are just blinded by grief. A lot of us has lost precious things in this pandemic. Some of us has, have lost health. 
Some of us have even lost loved ones. Maybe you lost a job or you lost your income. Don't lose your hope. God is starting to give things back to our lives. I mean, just this Saturday, he gave us back state parks. God bless Governor Murphy. Can we praise God for the small stuff? It's gonna look different. It's not gonna be normal. But you know what? When you start counting your blessings, not just listing your sorrows, you know what happens when you have gratitude in your prayer? Take a look. You slap handcuffs on anxiety and kick his butt out the back door because gratitude and worry cannot coexist. Don't be a worrier, be a worshiper. God, I thank you. Don't be a worrier, be a warrior. I'm coming against this with prayer. Prayer is the difference between the best that you can do, very limited, and the best God can do, who is unlimited in strength. So tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Oh, I feel it. Say amen. I praise God, right? See, in prayer, we don't just rehearse our problems. We remember God's answers. Let me tell you one family in this church right now who is thanking God for his answers. Carlos and Liliana Lavora. Many of you know them. Carlos is our head of security. And he was infected with COVID-19 early on in the pandemic. He's a young dad. He had trouble breathing and his health actually rapidly deteriorated. And doctors put Carlos in the ICU. They were gonna have to intubate him. And so our church began going to war. I mean, praying intensely. And God answered our prayers in a dramatic way. Check this out. Sunday throughout the day, I got a call from his doctor saying that they were gonna need to intubate him because he wasn't getting enough oxygen to his lungs. I just felt like I had nothing left, like as far as words for prayer. It was like I was speechless. I didn't know what to pray. By the grace of God, by all the prayers, from Liquid, from my team, from family, from everywhere that I am here talking today. We've been through it, so we know like what that help can do for, you know, for like mentally, spiritually, emotionally for somebody. For us, it's very important to be able to do that for somebody else because of how much it did for us. <laughs> so on Saturday, we, we went out to Liquid because, um, they have relief packages. So we thought we'd do our part to at least go out and help to deliver some packages. So it, it was very touching moment there when we were there just delivering the boxes and this drew me so much closer, drew me, giving me hope, giving me trust him with all my heart and he'll show me life, he'll show me a way. Yeah, I think that one thing that I can take away from all of this is that no matter what you're going through, God's got you in the palm of his hand. It's just a matter of trusting in him and laying it at his feet. Because you are gonna go through bad times and thank God for us, this turned out okay. But no matter what, he's got you and whatever it is you're going through, he's gonna get you through it. Amen. Can we give God a praise, man? Kind of raise the roof, light up the chat, man. Just thank God for all he's done. Guys, that's amazing to see Carlos, who was in danger of death, he's now restored and out serving others. We praise God for that. And you know what? We praise God even if the healing didn't come. See, let me tell you something here. It's not just happy endings. Worry asks the question, what if this happens? 
But worship says, you know what? Even if this happens, I still trust my good God. You have to trade your what ifs for even ifs. See, because of Jesus, guys, even people who are not healed in this life, guys, they are healed in the next. So understand, whenever you pray and you ask God something according to his will, you know what God's answers are? They're always yes or yes. Yes, I'll heal you in this life or I'm gonna heal you in the next. Yes, you'll be reunited with your family now or you'll be reunited in heaven. With Jesus, it is a win-win. So even temporary setbacks on earth are covered in eternity. So you keep calm and you pray on. Turn those what-ifs into even-ifs. Don't be a worrier, be a worshiper, be a prayer warrior. The pathway to God's peace is paved with prayer, amen? Look what we learned. See, control belongs to God, so ask him for help. Leave your worries with him. Now, I'm gonna show you how you make this trade with God because God says, I want you to give my problems in exchange, I'm gonna give you my peace. In other words, do you have a problem? God says, I want you to cast it to the cross and let my son Jesus worry about it. Listen to this amazing verse from the apostle Peter. We've been talking about Paul, but now Peter wrote these words. He said, cast all your what church? Anxiety on Christ because he cares for you. Now notice the word cast. He says, cast all your anxiety on him. Anybody remember what Peter did for a living? What was Peter's job? Peter was a fisherman, only he didn't use a little Zebco rod, okay? This is the first century. And Peter, the way they cast is they cast a net over the side of the boat into the ocean as far as he could fling that thing. And if you remember, whenever Peter went, a lot of times his net was empty and we brought it back in. But then Jesus is like, why don't you send it out that way? Cast it that way. He cast it out and it came back filled with fish, right? He saw a miracle. And so I want you to keep that image in mind because when it says, Cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. In prayer, you're making an exchange with Christ. You give Jesus your problems and he gives you his provision. You give God your worries and he gives you his peace. You cast out your weakness and God gives you his strength. Cast all your anxiety on Christ because he cares for you. Do you got a mountain that needs moving, man? Stop pushing. Carry it to the cross and let Jesus worry about it. He would love to make a trade with you. Take your problem and give you his peace. It is a promise. Looks what it says. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand rationally. His peace. You ever have that? They call it the peace that passes understanding. And look what he says. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was in prison. And he probably is sitting there and looking at the guard. He's like, oh, I got a good one. It's going to guard your heart and mind. It's going to be like a soldier guarding your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your thoughts. That's how you create calm in your life, Christian. Control belongs to God. You acknowledge it. He's sovereign. You ask him for help. You leave your worries with Christ. And then the final step, M, you meditate on good things, on positive things, not the fear and the negativity. Guys, this is vital to win the war on worry because you got to realize something, guys. The battle is in your brain. That's where the amygdala are. It's in your thought life. And so your war on worry, it's won or lost right here in your mind. And what you fill your mind with right now during this pandemic, I think determines the amount of stress in your life. Let me tell you what worry really is. 
Worry is basically envisioning the future without God. It's negative thinking. It's saying, well, what will happen if God doesn't show up? What if God doesn't show up for my work? What if God doesn't show up with my kids? What if God doesn't? Worrying is envisioning the future without God. It's negative thinking. And notice here, Paul gives us eight filters of whether you should allow something in your mind or not. He says, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is said out loud. True and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Does that describe your Netflix queue? <laughs> Seriously, guys, when I look at those eight filters there for our mind, you know what it reminds me? Negative thoughts can never lead to a positive life. Guys, you have to be a bouncer for your brain. You have to ban bad thoughts from your brain. It's like stinking thinking, okay? Every thought you have is a train. That's why we call it a train of thought. In other words, it's leading somewhere. So before you allow a thought in your mind, you just got to ask yourself, is this line of thinking leading me to a place I want to go? To God's peace, to his positivity, or to more negative thinking and more anxiety, more stress, and I fixate on it? The Bible says, take captive every negative thought and you make it obedient to Christ. In other words, you become a bouncer for your brain. Guys, you have a new job description. You are the air traffic controller of your mental airport. <laughs> you determine which thoughts get to land and which thoughts don't. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to entertain it. See guys, the battle for your mind is not neutral. You are in a spiritual war with an invisible enemy who wants to drag you down by poisoning your thought life. Do not let Satan become the master of your mind. Guys, you are the master of your mind. Type it in the chat. I am a mastermind. I'm a mastermind. <laughs> Paul gives an eight-point checklist for what thoughts to allow into your mental airport. He says, fix, focus your thoughts on what is what? True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, honorable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Does that describe your viewing habits? <laughs> when I joke about like, is that a description of your Netflix queue? Guys, seriously, you got to watch what you watch during this pandemic. It is so easy just to, I'll just be honest myself. I find myself, I'm watching too much TV and it's, it's easy to bombard your brain with negative entertainment, godless entertainment, meaning God's not even in the equation that takes your thinking to a bad place. I'll give you an example. Just for fun this week, I looked up the 10 most popular Netflix shows that people are watching right now. Again, this isn't my cue. I was just, you know, re sermon research. <laughs> Here right now are the top 10 titles. Number one, Tiger King, with the subtitle, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. Number two, The Walking Dead, Murder, Mayhem, and Zombies. <laughs> uh, Breaking Bad, Murder, Mayhem, and Drugs. <laughs> Money Heist, Murder, Mayhem, and Greed. Contagion, Murder, Mayhem, and Pandemic. And we wonder why we have anxiety. <laughs> Guys, you can't binge on murder and mayhem and zombies and disaster flicks and then wonder, God, where's my peace? Where's my peace? The reality is, I'll just, I would call out the truth. A lot of this is just demonic activity masquerading as entertainment. Here's what a world without God looks like if evil wins. Guys, you got to monitor your mind. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. You got to meditate on good things. It's not just TV. I'm not just cranking on TV here, okay? We all struggle with it. 
social media, I'm just telling you scientifically, it is directly tied to increased levels of depression and anxiety. It makes you restless and discontent. I would encourage you to even limit your intake of daily news. Like obviously we all want to stay informed. But be careful not to watch or read too much news. I was uh, watching this news report this past week uh, on the mobile morgues that they're setting up in New York City. They have 25 refrigerated trucks to hold the bodies. And like I just started watching it and then I, I was like, this is, and I'm reading it online. And I had a nightmare. <laughs> Paul provides, he said, no, no, eight point checklist to run through before you listen or read or watch anything. You ask, is it true? Is it godly? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it beautiful? Is it excellent? Is it something that's worthy of praise? Guys, you know what that's a description of? Jesus Christ. It's not a description of something. It's a description of someone. Only Jesus is 100% true, 100% excellent, worthy of praise. What Paul's really saying is if you want peace, you got to think on the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ, who loved you, who saved you, who bled for you, who died for you, who was raised for you, and now he's filling you with his Holy Spirit. Listen to what Isaiah promises in the Old Testament. He says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. You're focused. Guys, here's the truth. If you fix your thoughts on the God of peace, you will experience the peace of God. That's the promise. You guys get this? The God of peace wants to give you the peace of God. See, peace isn't a feeling. Peace is a person. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and he wants to give himself to you. That's why you've got to take Paul's prescription for calm. Acknowledge control belongs to Jesus Christ alone. He's sovereign over this whole epidemic. I'm going to ask him for help for my daily bread. I'm going to leave my worries. I'm going to cast all my cares, my anxiety on Christ because he cares for me. And, and I'm going to meditate on good things. What happens if you do these four things? Paul ends with a very powerful promise. We'll end with this. He says, you keep putting into practice everything you heard from me and you saw me doing, here it is, then the God of peace will be with you. Not just the peace of God, the God of peace will be with you. That's the promise. Guys, every promise has a premise. If you do this, then this will occur. You want the peace of God? Then you got to dial into the God of peace. Amen? So let's do that right now where you are. You know, typically I end the sermon by praying for you, but I thought, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just pray for you. I want you to pray right now where you are. I want you to imagine Jesus is sitting in the room where you're watching. In fact, you don't have to imagine it. He is, you know. <laughs> the lines are open. You have a hotline to heaven and your Savior is waiting to hear from you. And I want you to imagine Jesus asks you this question. What do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that right now? Like what's got you most anxious? What's the biggest need you're facing? Remember, Jesus already knows. He just wants to hear you say it. If you're watching with other people, I want you to take 60 seconds right now to pray together. What should you pray about? Well, pray about everything. It may be your health, your family, your education, your kids. Sprinkle in some gratitude. Tell, tell God your needs, but also thank him for his answers. Sprinkle some gratitude in there and spend 60 seconds praying together. Or if you're watching alone, you're online, I want you to type a prayer request right now in the chat. Our pastors and prayer warriors, they are live online and we're gonna pray with you. If you feel anxiety, I want you to cast your worries on Christ. 
Call on the God of peace and he's going to give you the peace of God. So let's just bow our heads. Let's take 60 seconds, church. Just pray right where you are out loud. Let God hear your voice or type it in the chat and then I'll close. Let's pray. We are, we are coming into your presence. We are piling up prayers at the foot of our Abba who is sitting on his throne in heaven. And we only dare walk into our, your throne room, God, because of Christ. We see our Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son, seated at your right hand. And right now, Jesus, you are interceding for your people. You are praying and pleading with us. So Father, hear our prayers. We need your provision, God. We need your protection, God. We need so many things. We need this pandemic to end. And so we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, step on the neck of the coronavirus and crush it into oblivion, God. I pray for economic recovery, God. I pray for provision for people who are out of work. God, I pray right now, would you just pour out right now your Holy Spirit, your spirit of peace to focus our minds and calm our hearts and fill us with a sense that you are sovereign. We are in the palm of your hand. God, we thank you for what you did with Carlos, what you're doing for so many families right now across our church and across the nation, across the world. We say we love you, Lord, and we trust you. Even when life is bad, you, oh God, are a good, good father. And we declare that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And everybody said together, amen. 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 Don't lose hope, guys. Keep praying. We're praying with you and for you. Let us know. Type a prayer request in. I can't wait to see you next week for Mother's Day. God bless you guys.